Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. This summer, when you're going to Nationals Park, make Walters your spot to hang out before the game. Located just across the street from the ballpark, walk on over to Walters. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's the pitch. Here's a swing and a drive to deep left. Going, going, gone, goodbye. Out of here in a flash, a two-run homer for Starling Marte. As the Mets continue to tee off on Eric Fetty. Four runs home in the inning. It's now New York six and Washington three. Here's the pitch. Swing it a lot, so it's it high in the air to deep right center. Back goes Robles to the warning track. To the wall. It is gone. Goodbye. Pete Alonso with his 13th home run of the year and his league leading 47th run batted in. And the Mets now lead it 13 to 5. And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, May 31st, 2022, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at City Field in New York. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, uh, so much for Eric Fetty having been a pleasant surprise this season. So much for the Nats having won four or five, and so much for the Nats potentially being 19 and 31 this season. Uh, the Nats now are 18 and 32 this season, and also oh humbling 13 5 loss at the New York Mets on Monday night in game one of a three game series in game one of a 10-game road trip. Unlike so many other Nats losses so far this season, the Nats did hit well in this loss, but they did not pitch well in this loss. And there's a domino effect here with what happened with Eric Fetty because his outing just may have changed the Nats pitching plans for Wednesday. More on that in a bit. But Mark, this really was something. Eric Fetty came into the game on Monday night with an ERA this season of 355. He exited Monday night with an ERA this season of 460. His ERA for the year ballooned by more than a run. That doesn't happen often, and yet that happened on Monday night. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, I think one of the two of us uh, five days ago suggested that maybe Eric Fetty was a sleeper all-star candidate. I I, I want to disavow myself of any knowledge of having perhaps said that on the air in the past because uh, this one kind of put an end to that possibility. Yikes. I mean, the crazy thing is five days ago, he shuts out the Dodgers over six innings. And you can't tell me he did that to that lineup on complete, you know, luck that that was some kind of fluke. Maybe he had, you know, a bit on his side that day, but he has the ability to get good lineups out. And he's facing another good one here in the Mets. And there was nothing 
there. Everything was over the plate and everything was hit hard. He faced, well, there were 11 batters who put the ball in play against him. Eight of them were deemed hard hit balls based on StatCats, you know, measurement uh, criteria for that. That's not good, obviously. And it's why Davey Martinez decided he had to pull the plug as early as he did. He just saw no evidence that it was going to change on this night. And that is really unfortunate because it did cause a major domino effect on the bullpen that's going to last, you know, beyond this game, last several days. And even as Fetty said, it, it could, you know, put the pitching staff behind the eight ball for a full week, uh, depending on how things play out now. Yeah, I mean, the Nats are still in this period of the schedule in which there just aren't many off days here. So they're scuffling right now in terms of trying to figure out pitching plans. This really was brutal by Fetty on Monday night. Six runs in one and a third innings. He got rocked in giving up, as Mark said, a lot of hard contact. He gave up eight hits, a homer, a double, and six singles. He issued one walk. He recorded no strikeouts. He in his one and a third innings threw 52 pitches. Bottom of the first he gave up two runs, began the inning by giving up three consecutive singles and then issuing a walk. Bottom of the second, he allowed four runs. He in the inning faced five batters, got just one out. He gave up a first pitch leadoff opposite field single to Mark Canna to right field. Gave up an RBI double to Nick Plummer to left center field. Nick Plummer came out of nowhere on Monday night uh, to hit like, you know, he was Babe Ruth in this game. Fetty gave up a one-out RBI single to Luis Guillorme to left center field on an 0-2 pitch. Fetty gave up a one-out two-run homer to Starling Marte to left field for a 6-3 Mets lead. And Fetty gave up a one-out single to Francisco Lindor up the middle despite Lindor having been down at 1.02. And then that was it. Davey Martinez came out and yanked Fetty from the game. One and a third innings. That was it. This is the second blow-up start for Fetty this season. His other really bad start was at 11-2 loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park on April 20th. Seven runs, six earned in three and a third innings. Just two starts after that, he had that great outing at Colorado. The 10-2 win at the Rockies on May 3rd, one run in seven innings. Became the first Nats pitcher this season to complete at least seven innings in a game. The question obviously becomes is, what we saw on Monday night was that just a bad start, which you are bound to have over the course of a season, or was this the beginning of the unraveling of Eric Fetty? I brought this up the last time we talked about him. It was around this time last year that his 2021 season started to fall off the cliff. Fetty was quite good last season over his first 10 starts, ERA at 333, rest of the season not so good. Here we have now what happened on Monday night, nine starts into the season, ERA at 355, and he gets shellacked at the Mets. So, Time will tell, but the hope clearly would be that this proves to be like that start at the Diamondbacks, where bad, yes, but only bad for that one outing. Yeah, so I want to believe this is just a blip and a bad combination of him not locating at all and having very hittable pitches and doing it against, let's give them some credit, a very good Mets lineup that has done this to a lot of pitchers this year. Because it comes on the heels of that great start against the Dodgers, not just any team, but the Dodgers. That's what makes me want to cling to this idea that uh, Fetty is better than this and that that one was not just completely out of nowhere. But I, I do think back to some of those starts where the final line looked pretty good. But as you know, watching it, he was in trouble a lot and maybe was a little bit fortunate to get out of it. And you wonder, was this similar to that and he just wasn't able to get out of it, that this lineup was able to hit him as opposed to some of those previous ones? I don't know. I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle of all that. I don't know that at this stage of his career, Eric Fetty all of a sudden is a you know 3.5 ERA pitcher, 
but I think he's better than what we saw in this one. It did show me, though, that when he puts the ball over the plate, the stuff is not good enough to get out. He's not a huge strikeout guy, as we know. He's got to get weak contact, and to do that, he's got to locate a whole lot better, and it's a, a little bit of a fine line there. He can't get away with his stuff, and as you saw against a good lineup, um, when you miss your location, you're going to pay the price for it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he definitely has put guys on base in his outings. I don't recall him giving up this much hard contact in an outing. I'd have to check on that. But, you know, the whip for the season now is at 153. He has put a lot of guys on base, and we obviously saw him do that in this game on Monday night. So hopefully this is like that start uh, that came against the Diamondbacks at Nationals Park uh, back in April, and it doesn't prove to be a sign of what's to come. But, you know, given Eric Fetty's history, you do have to wonder if this is a sign of what's to come. We shall see. Now, the sort of two-pronged aspect to the negative part of all of this is that the Nats pitching plans moving forward here, you got to think have been altered. I mean, I guess we'll see what ends up happening. But because Fetty only lasted for one and a third innings on Monday night, Davey Martinez ended up using four relievers. And it wasn't just Fetty who struggled. Andres Machado struggled for a second consecutive game, three runs in one and a third innings. Uh, Austin Voth on Monday night struggled again, three runs in one and a third innings. And so with the Nats not having an obvious starter for Wednesday afternoon's game three at the Mets, the two, in theory, candidates for this, Paolo Espino and Josh Rogers, each guy ended up pitching on Monday night. Now, Paolo was great. And it's really starting to annoy me how we don't ever see Paolo in games other than blowout affairs. Paolo on Monday night, three scoreless innings. He gave up just one hit, which was a single. He issued one walk, 48 pitches, 32 strikes, versus 16 balls. He has an ERA at 228 on the season. Josh Rogers was not as good. Uh, he pitched for one inning, bottom of the eighth, gave up a leadoff homer to Pete Alonso. So, you know, there is a conversation to be had here of why aren't we seeing more of Paolo Espino? And at some point, people have to stop saying, well, it's all a bunch of low leverage innings. Okay, fine. He keeps getting guys out. Okay, like at some point, he deserves credit for that. Uh, but what about Wednesday? What do you think this means for Wednesday afternoon? So first of all, with Paolo, I tried to ask that question to Davey Martinez afterwards and, and get him to say, like, would you start considering using him in situations of more consequence? Because you can't deny that the results have been fantastic, certainly when compared to some of these other guys that he's putting out there. And he kind of acknowledged that, yeah, maybe we'll find a spot where maybe we're ahead by three or four runs and we could feel comfortable using him for multiple innings. But I didn't get the sense that, you know, that he's been totally uh, convinced on that one and that all of a sudden we're going to see a brand new uh, role for Paolo. So as far as Wednesday goes, I think it was telling that he waited until as long as he could to use Espino and Rogers. He wanted to get through this game without them. I think that says to me that that was their plan A, was that one or both of them could start on Wednesday and maybe you get three innings out of each and that helps you get through it. So they go to Machado first. He only gets four outs, gives up three runs. They go to Voth. He only gets four outs, gives up three runs. And now you have no choice. And so you go to Espino. You know, Paolo is saying to us afterwards that, you know, he'll see. Maybe he'll feel well enough to come back and pitch again on Tuesday. And I don't see that happening after a 48-pitch outing. But he seemed to think that he'd be good for Wednesday. Now, he's talking about Wednesday in relief for an inning or two. I don't think he's talking about starting. Now, Rogers only threw 13 pitches. So that doesn't necessarily knock him out, but neither of these guys is in a position to go out and make a start and feel like you're going to get five innings from them. They just have not been built up that way. They're not in the right place right now to try to do that again against a very good 
Mets lineup. So, barring something else happening, and there's still some time to, you know, if there's all to sort out and for them to figure out what they're going to do, I would say, as I tweeted, if uh, you're Jackson Tetro's family and you haven't at least started looking at airfare to New York, I think it's time to at least look at the airfare and be ready in case you get the call that you want to get up here to watch your son make his major league debut. He is the one who is on schedule. He is a starter. He's done fairly well at Rochester. He's not listed as one of their top prospects, anything like that, but he lines up properly for them. Now, he's not on the 40-man roster, so they have to make some moves. They do have one spot open right now because of the Aaron Sanchez DFA. Let's see what happens on Tuesday. Obviously, they would love for Patrick Corbin to give him six or more innings. That would help a lot. But at the moment, if I had to place a bet on someone, I'm probably going to say it's Tetro. And you hope for the best. I would just hate to see this kid come up here and get lit up by the Mets and only last a couple of innings and you're still in a bad spot bullpen-wise. And that's not out of the realm of possibility at all for that to happen. Yeah, I thought it was funny that Davey Martinez during his postgame session with you guys on Monday night essentially was like, yeah, let's see what happens with Patrick Corbin on Tuesday night, because I think we all know that what happened with Eric Fetty on Monday night could be replicated by Patrick Corbin on Tuesday night. Let's hope that that doesn't happen, but we all know uh, that that is a possibility. You know, I just think about Paolo Espino, and look, nobody has any delusions of him being some great pitcher, right? And we've certainly had our fun with Paolo Espino, and, you know, he doesn't exactly look like Randy Johnson. Okay, we get that, and he's got this name that, you know, suggests that he's like your next-door neighbor, and he's an older player, and all these other things. But, you know, at some point, it's like in the book Moneyball. It's not about how you look in a pair of jeans. It's about, like, what you do, okay? And he gets outs. He works quickly. He throws strikes. He gets outs. His numbers for last season for the longest time were quite good. They sort of soured as the year went on. But I remember around this time, we started talking about, half-jokingly, half-seriously, Paolo Espino for the All-Star game because there actually was a case for that. And now you look at what he's doing so far this season, and it's like, on this team, with all of the pitching problems slash concerns, who are the Nats to look at anyone with an ERA under three and be like, well, you're not good enough to pitch in bigger spots for us? Like, I just don't get that. There seems to be this anti-Paolo bias from, I don't know if it's Davey Martinez or Mike Rizzo or who, and it's just like, give the guy more opportunity, more of a shot. He, he certainly seems to be capable of handling that. Yeah, and I think we could look back potentially last year, and we were having this conversation a lot about Ryan Harper. Remember him? And he had the ERA under one, and everyone said, well, shouldn't he be hit pitching high leverage spots? And Davey kept saying, well, no, we don't really think he profiles to that. And he finally put him in a few of those spots, and he got lit up, so it didn't work. So they did know a little bit what they were talking about. But We've seen Paolo Espino pitch a lot of innings, important innings, over the last couple seasons, or certainly last season. Think of all the significant spots they threw him into, either as a starter, as a long man, or even, remember, he got a save in a crazy game in Philadelphia. And here's the thing on top of it all that I kind of baffles me. Tim Britton of The Athletic, he covers the Mets, pointed this out. Paolo Espino's career ERA against the Mets is 1.33. Now, maybe you'd say, well, the 2022 Mets lineup is not the same as the 2021 Mets lineup. Okay, that's fine. But you can't tell me that he doesn't give you at least as good a chance as Austin Voth gives you right now, or Andres Machado, or one of many other pitchers that they are more willing to put out there in situations of consequence. So I get that you want to say, hey, he's our emergency guy, he's our long man, he's our mop-up man. Okay, fine. We're at a point now where you don't really have a choice. You've got to put whoever your best pitchers are out there. And if it gets lit up, then so be it. It can't be any worse than what we've seen from some of these other guys, right? I don't think so. 
And I think he's earned it. You know, I mean, at some point, merit has to matter to some degree. Like, you know, he's earned the chance to do more for you and pitch in bigger spots for you. So we shall see. But he was good on Monday night. Uh, The rest of the Nats pitchers, not so much. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. It's graduation season, and so that means it is Window Nation's graduation sale. If your old windows are failing or just not making the grade, here's a homework assignment. Call Window Nation and get to the head of the class with 0% financing for five full years, 60 months, and get two free windows with every two that you buy. Window Nation windows are the best. They are made right here locally in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area. Over 1,500 custom window combinations are available. Vinyl, wood, fiberglass. Price quotes are valid for six months. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. You know, the longer that you have old drafty windows, the more money that you're wasting on your heating and cooling bills. Window Nation has saved customers over $60 million on energy bills. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and make sure that you ask Window Nation for the graduation sale that you heard about from Al Galdi. That's 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and get the special offer. Mention my name, Al Galdi, when you talk to Window Nation. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here's the set of the pitch. Swing a line drive right center field. That's a base hit for Hernandez. Marte races over and cuts this one off. Hernandez will be content to hold it first with an RBI single. Escobar crosses the plate with the Nationals' fifth run. The Nats did hit on Monday night. You know, we're so used to sort of this formula for Nats losses this season where when they lose, they don't hit at all. Nats actually hit pretty well on Monday night. 
another first inning in which the Nats scored runs. I mean, this is crazy to me, the frequency with which the Nats are scoring first inning runs, three more first inning runs for the Nats on Monday night. They lost 13-5. They led 3-0 in this game, Uh, but the Nats finished with five runs, 10 hits, five walks, went three for 10 with runners in scoring position. Uh, The Nats had a triple in this game. Alcides Escobar had a triple. Uh, Juan Soto had the other Nats extra base hit a meaningless double in the bottom of the ninth inning. Josh Bell did have a nice game, three for four with a two-run single, an RBI single, and another single. So, you know, not hitting for power, but certainly looking better than he had been uh, during his multi-week slump here in this month of May. Three-run Nats first. He had a win-out bases loaded. First pitch opposite field, two-run single to right field. To put the Nats up to nothing, top of the third, Bell had a one-out single through the left side of the infield, uh, and in a Nats one-run fifth, he had a two-out RBI single through the left side of the infield, so it's good to see that. Another good game for Cesar Hernandez. Man, he is locked in right now. Three for five with an RBI single and two other singles. This off the big weekend that he had uh, in the series win over the Rockies. Uh, Hernandez in that series, seven of 16, three doubles, four singles, and three walks. So, you know, The offense wasn't as good as the Mets offense, but for once, we can talk about the Nats having lost and not say, hey, the Nats scored two runs or less. Like the offense, for the most part, did its job in this game. When they're up three nothing at the uh, end of the top of the first, I'm like, oh, this could be quite a big game for them. And hitting uh, David Peterson around, it seemed like maybe a decent matchup for them. And and it was. And they just, you know, their pitching staff let them down and didn't really give them a chance. But I don't know if you saw the stat I put out. They've now scored 46 first inning runs, most in the majors. So you're right. Your instinct was right. It does seem like they score a lot in the first inning. They do more than any other team. Now, conversely, they've only scored seven runs in the ninth inning this season, which is second fewest in the majors. And as we've seen, there have been very few comebacks or even attempted comebacks. The boys have not been battling late in games uh, very much. That's disappointing. But they do score in the first inning. I give them credit for that. And one other point on Cesar Hernandez, would you believe, Al, that through 50 games, it's a long way to go, of course, Cesar Hernandez has 61 hits. He is on pace for 198 hits. The club record is 184 by Denard Spann and Daniel Murphy. Now, he's played every day. He's got, he leads the league in plate appearances. So I don't know, number one, is he going to play every day? Number two, if he keeps this up, he's not going to be on this team come August 1st. So he may not get a chance to break that record because he's going to be playing for somebody else, which, let's be honest, would be perfectly fine if that's the outcome of all this. If he plays well enough to be traded and have some value at the end of July, then you absolutely make that move. But he is very quietly, uh, Cesar Hernandez has done a really nice job for them, is getting hits in bunches and also, like we said the other night, drawing walks as well. Yeah, and I think that's the key. I think that's what's changed a lot with Hernandez. He was getting his singles for the most part earlier in the year, but he wasn't drawing walks and he wasn't hitting for any power. Now, lately, he's drawing walks. He's had some doubles. And in accordance with that, you're seeing things look more like, hey, this is what a leadoff batter can be for you. I mean, his on-base percentage for the season is up to 345. That's lovely. You know, you'll you'll take that. That's not a bad on-base percentage at all. You know, you still would like to see him hit for some power, but he's been a very productive member of this lineup. And yeah, I mean, our perception of who is a potential trade ship seems to change week by week. But as things stand right now, Josh Bell is a big-time trade ship, and I think you have to say Cesar Hernandez has emerged as a legitimate trade ship. You know, we'll see uh, where he's at over the next uh, month or so here, but as we enter the month of June, you know, we're, we're just about two months away from that trade deadline on August 2nd, so you do have to start thinking 
uh, in those terms. But it's been good to see Cesar Hernandez do as he has been doing. Uh, if you are curious about Juan Soto on Monday night off the big game that he had on Sunday afternoon, one for four with a double and a walk. Like we said, he had that double uh, in the, uh, it was the top of the ninth inning, a two out full count double to the right center field gap. He also had a uh, one out six pitch walk in the Nats three run first. You know, I was thinking about this with the Mets. You know, we've talked about the Mets and we've poked fun at the Mets and rightfully so because every year there are big expectations and every year the Mets seem to fall on their faces with those expectations and who knows what's going to end up happening this season. But, you know, you think about what's going on with the Mets right now. So for the moment, they are running away with the National League East. They are the only team in the NL East with a winning record. They're doing this with Jacob deGrom basically having been a non-factor this season and with Max Scherzer now injured this season as well. We haven't talked about that. Max is hurt. We're not used to that. That is the case here. The Mets are hitting like crazy. The Mets have a new manager and Buck Showalter who, you know, his act wears thin, but he wins wherever he goes. There is an initial burst. There is an initial rise when you have Buck Showalter as your manager. Basically, every team he's managed has enjoyed that. So, you know, I'm not ready to crown the Mets anything, but, you know, we've seen the Mets now a few times this season against the Nats, and you look at where they're at, 33-17, and 17, running away with the division, hitting like crazy, getting contributions from a lot of guys, and winning despite their top two pitchers, DeGrom and Scherzer, being out. This is impressive, I think, what Buck Showalter is doing with the Mets here so far. I agree. I think they're up nine and a half games now. It might be the biggest lead of any team in any division. Now, some of this is the Braves have been struggling, defending World Series champs, and we kind of keep waiting. Although, I feel like last year we said the same thing, like, okay, when are the Braves going to get going? We feel like they're good, and they did get going. So I don't want to count them out yet. But what the Mets are doing... They obviously have talent. I mean, we can see that. And they're winning even without some of their stars. But they also seem to, so far, have a a little special quality, whatever that is. You know, they won a wild game against the Phillies on Sunday night where this kid Plummer uh, had a terrible night. And then he hits the big home run at the end. They're getting those kind of like special little moments out of them that make you think this team has something going on. They've got the right juju. Now, This wouldn't be the first time that a Mets team has looked great early in the season and then had everything fall apart on them. We've also seen in the past where they look terrible. They do the usual Mets stuff and then all of a sudden get red hot and are the best team in the league. That happened in 2015 when they overtook the Nationals and wound up running away with the division and made it all the way to the World Series. So around here, it doesn't take much to flip the switch, good or bad. But what they've done so far, I do think they have something special going on. There's a long way to go. But right now, it's hard not to be impressed with what they're doing. Yeah, they have had some crazy wins for sure. And one thing about Buck, he is very much a micromanager. And he is very into attention to detail. And that can rub people the wrong way. And again, the act can wear thin. By the end of his time with the Orioles, he and Dan Duquette could not stand each other. But Buck gets results. And I think the Mets needed someone like this. The Mets needed you know, a new sheriff. They needed some law and order. You know, the the Mets have had a lot of problems, a lot of weird stories in recent years. An authoritarian figure like Buck probably was needed for that culture. So I think he may have been just the right guy for this circumstance. But yes, if you know the Mets, you know, there is a saying that's so Mets because what is the case in late May, early June can be very different come August and September. So uh, we shall see. All right. Steven Strasburg on Sunday afternoon looked quite good in his second minor league rehab assignment start. Of course, what matters the most is how he felt after that start. Uh, So what is the latest on Steven Strasburg? 
by all accounts, everything was good. He is here with the team. And by the way, I asked him, how did he get from Fredericksburg to DC so quickly? And he smiled and he said, quick shower and hit the road. He says, I drove the speed limit, I promise. So I guess he caught a break on a holiday Sunday afternoon and did not hit that bad of traffic because he made it uh, up to DC by the time the Nats game ended. So good for him for that. So he drove himself? The Nats don't send a car for somebody like that? Like he actually drives himself? He made it sound like he was the one driving. He said, I drove the speed limit. So he, he said, I. Now, I don't know if that meant like he may have had passenger. Maybe his family was with him. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, he made it sound like he had done that himself. But everything going well, the reports from the game, you know, not just the results, but everything sounded like it went well. They were really pleased with his uh, breaking ball, with his changeup. So he's going to throw a bullpen session here in the next day or two. Uh, he'll have Jim Hickey and the front office staff, everybody here there to watch it. And then the plan is to send him to Rochester at the end of the week for the next start. And I asked Davey, uh, is it possible that would be it? Just one more. And he said, you know, I haven't put any timetables on him yet, so I'm not going to start now. I can understand they don't want to declare anything until they know for sure. You don't want to spoil this. But so far, it's been really good signs. And, you know, I would say if things progress the way they have gone, we're looking at one or two more, and I would imagine that would be it. Unless something weird happens between now and then, I wouldn't think he would need more than two more of these, and it would only be to get the pitch count up. Because he he went to five innings, but he only threw 58 pitches. So if you want to get him to 90 pitches, that may be too big a leap for one start. So I could see two more. But other than that, I don't think there's a whole lot left, and that's a great sign. And for the first time in a long time, I think we can legitimately – Talk about the idea of Steven Strasburg pitching for the Nationals. And with him pitching for Rochester, we also now have A. Ray Adrianza doing his minor league rehab assignment for AAA Rochester. A. Ray Adrianza, the ghost of A. Ray. Uh, A. Ray Adrianza suffered a left quadriceps injury in an exhibition game on March 31st. He has not played since then, but it looks like he may be playing for the Nets uh, sometime soon at the major league level. Yep. So he did about a week with Harrisburg and now he's moved on to Rochester. I think if he wasn't on the 60 day IL, they probably would be looking at bringing him up here sooner. But because of that, he has to wait. June 6th is the first date that he's eligible. So that's in a week. So I would imagine he'll spend the week with uh, Rochester and then barring any setbacks, they will call him up. Now they want him playing multiple positions. They want him playing shortstop, third base, even left field. So I'll be curious to see how they use him when he does come back. I thought it was interesting that in his first game at Rochester, he started at shortstop and hit leadoff, and Luis Garcia was bumped to second base. I don't know if they should read anything into that or not, but at least in this case, they felt like Adrianza at shortstop was a priority over Garcia. Well, when Cesar Hernandez gets flipped for five top 100 prospects, <laughs> we can have Luis Garcia at second base and not shortstop. That's Garcia's path to the major league level finally. Well, I will say this about Ari Adrianza. He does offer that thing that we talked about the Nats lacking so much last season. You know, this idea of position flex and a true utility man. I mean, A. Ray Adrianza in his career has played shortstop, third base, second base, right field, left field, first base. He legitimately can play just about anywhere on the diamond. The Nats have been so lacking in having someone like that. He's not a great hitter. And, you know, who knows what his health will be like with this quadriceps injury. But the guy is versatile defensively. There's no question about that. And he plays good defense. And we know that's been an issue for this team at times. But I don't think that anybody should get their hopes up too much here and say, oh, this guy's going to step in and be an everyday big time contributor. The idea all along was he was a utility guy coming off the bench and he would start games here and there. 
I don't think they suddenly have themselves a new starting shortstop or third baseman or left fielder or anything like that. But it'll be interesting to see how many starts a week does he get? Uh, is it at multiple positions? And then, of course, you know, we're not there yet, but who ends up uh, losing their roster spot as a result? Somebody else is going to have to go off the bench. Yeah. And with shortstop, I will say uh, Alcides Escobar has been better lately. He is getting some hits. He is looking a bit more like the Alcides Escobar of 2021. So uh, that has been a good thing to see. You tell us what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast Nats chat podcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to become a sponsor of the Nats chat podcast. Uh, you can hit up Tim Shovers. Again, the email address is Nats chat podcast at gmail.com. You can get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to natschatpodcast.square.site. That's natschatpodcast.square.site. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Breaking ball, Kendrick started the bat. He thinks he checked for the home plate umpire. Bruce Dreckman said he swung. And Kendrick's saying you could have asked for help. But once the home plate umpire calls it, the at-bat is over and somebody's just been ejected for the game. I don't know if it's Kendrick. Here comes Davey Martinez out to talk to Dreckman. Well, it's been a frustrating stretch of games, a frustrating series. There he goes. He's been ejected for the game. You can't blame him. Davey's going to kick some dirt, spike his hat, and this is as adamant as he's been all year. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.